Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, welcome to this edition of the Trans Europe Express podcast with me, Danny Kelly. Mark Langdon's also very much in the house. It's all the usual features plus some new ones as well. We're talking to you about all the football across the continent. Mark will be answering your questions in our Q&A section. More about that a little bit later. And I'll be telling you about the team with the longest trip any club football match involves in the world. All of that, plus music and polls, the usual furniture. Welcome to the Trans-Europe Express podcast. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's Trans-Europe Express on TalkSport. Yeah, thanks very much, Andy and the boys there for the final word. And welcome to two jam-packed hours of Trans-Europe Express here on TalkSport. Me, Danny Kelly, and my wingman uh, today, the ever-reliable and, of course, uh, last week I described Marcotti's brain as as big as our solar system. Well, Mark Langdon's football brain is as big as a galaxy. And I don't mean one of those that tiny little chocolate bars you now get out of the vending machine upstairs here at TalkSport for your pound, but a proper galaxy. And during the course of the next uh, two hours, we'll be reviewing all this weekend's action across the continent, have a European football cult hero for you, musical homework, songs about travelling, going, moving. I'll explain about that in a little while. Simon Calder will give us his latest World Cup travel report. Um, There's got a poll for you and a new feature, very simple, at the end of the show, the Trans-Europe Express Q&A. Mark Langdon will answer any question, I mean any question, about European or world football, however small, whether you want to talk about the badge some clubs got on their shirt or a player that you think is going to set the World Cup afire, whatever it is, get your calls in now to 0871722344. That's 0871722344. And we'll put you on the air. We'll call you back, of course, so it's a free call. Or you can tweet us at TalkSport, at TalkSport, or you can text us 81089. Text will cost you 50 pence. But get your questions in for a new feature here on what was already award-winning and the most jam-packed show on radio. It's even more stuffed now. Think about a Dundee cake with a turkey stuffed inside it. That's where we're going here on Trans-Europe Express. I realise that metaphor was quite frightening there, but not least because if anyone still eat Dundee cake, it used to be the densest cake you could buy. Oh, we'll talk about cakes later. Hello, Mark. Hi, Danny. You're making me hungry. Galaxy bars. Uh, yeah. Do you remember Dundee cake? Oh, they probably still do have it, don't they? No, no. I'm. I'm... It's a thick, thick brick of a uh, of a uh, 
a fruit cake with, I think, almonds around the very edges of the, of the lip of it um, to give it some kind of uh, other flavour. No, the, the, the turkey in the galaxy bar is doing it more for me, actually. Okay, good, good, good. Well, you'll be a very, very happy man. We can't talk about domestic football, um, but uh, both Mark and I support a certain North London club, so there's a certain jollity, um, a certain uh, spring in our step here on Trans Europe Express. And it's They're... not Arsenal, Danny. We should. Uh, we... <laughs> well, they won as well, to be fair to them. It's all happy in our household. Um, so the headline first, we're going to Italy, Big weekend uh, for the race for the title. And the headline is, who's sorry now? Yes, um, Napoli. Uh, we've been speaking in recent weeks about how they've been playing catch-up in terms of, you know, always playing after Juventus. Could they take advantage? Sarri wasn't happy with the ordering of the It's the first the week in, in many, many, many that they have played before Juventus. C- certainly, um, it's not happened too often. It's not no. happened often enough um, as far as Sarri, um, the Napoli coach, is concerned. But Napoli couldn't take um, advantage. Far from it. They were held to a 1-1 draw by Sassuolo. And I think sort of in the way that football works, that the guy that could well have ruined Napoli's good Detto bid may well have been playing for Napoli. Um, Politano, the Sassuolo forward, um, was one of those that Napoli tried to buy to boost their squad going into the second half of the season. Um, all kinds of rumours as to why it didn't go through. Napoli suggesting that Juventus, who came in quite late on um, into the party, pushed the price up to ridiculous levels, then messed around with the player. So neither a, club got him. Yeah, so, I mean, and Juventus obviously didn't want him um, anyway because they've got a big enough squad. Uh, talk that they sabotaged Napoli's bid for Politano, who, uh, like I say, got the opening goal. Napoli equalised for an own goal. Uh, put on a bit of pressure late on. Milik hit the bar, the, the, the Polish forward that's been an injury hit so far uh, this season. But it wasn't really the Napoli performance that we've come to expect over the last couple of years under Sari. And you do wonder um, whether it was the pressure um, of trying to get back in front. Well, you, you know, you said it out to us when we were doing our award-winning preparation for the award-winning show. Um, you said um, the thing about Juventus is like all these uh, super teams that, that uh, dominate these leagues um, that they because they keep winning uh, Napoli good, good to very good team though they are it's just incredible it's just relentless. to keep winning yeah, yeah it, it's very difficult um, to, just to keep winning and even you know Sari is talking um, about breaking the points record that, that Napoli have got and I think that that would be a fair achievement if they can get anything like 90 points this season but it may not be enough uh, to, to win the league and Juventus just hammered home um, yeah, a potential knockout blow really when they beat Milan 3-1 in the later game. But they were and, by no means the 3-1 best team in that game, were they? No, they they were poor, Juventus. Um, they took the lead early through Dybala but they had to change their formation in the first half because it was all Milan. They equalised through Benucci who'd been given um, a lot of stick by the Juve crowd. He wasn't happy. He said before the game if he scored, he wouldn't celebrate. He did celebrate because they'd booed him um, and at that stage Milan looked like the more likely winners they were brave in possession that they pressed Juventus high they kept nicking the ball um, Juve were really struggling Shalanolu hit the bar with a, a thunderous effort and then Shalanolu gave the ball away in midfield uh, Kadira picked it up cross for Quadrado 2-1 Kadira makes it 3-1 and that basically sums up Juventus in the last couple of years although absolutely right but you could say that Right at this moment, as the the winter turns to spring, 
things are falling into place very slightly for Juventus. Quadrado, you mentioned, scored there, but he's been out for a long time. He's come back. Dybala gets a goal after being uh, struggling to get these things. Um, they're getting themselves you know, in the right place, as always, for the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They are. I mean, I would still like to see them playing better. Uh, uh, people say, oh, it's a sign of a good team uh, to win when you're not playing well. I think there's a certain that, amount up of... Up to a point, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a certain amount of luck that um, also you know, comes into that because, like I say, Shalanolu's effort is a couple of inches lower. Uh, Milan go two and up. Uh, Gattuso is absolutely furious with Shalanolu for giving the ball away in midfield, um, substituted him immediately after um, the, the, the goal. It, it kind of, like I say, it just it's frustrating, I think, for football fans that don't support Juventus, that want to see a title race, that Napoli can play, you know, uh, not so great and draw. Juventus play probably even worse and yet win. And that, um, you know, there's something to be said for championship winning teams that, that continue to do that. Roma, it's a bit behind those two teams, but a long way behind. Um, they dropped a point at Bologna. Two yeah, points at Bologna, rather. Um, a 1-1 draw um, away to Bologna. Dzeko came off the bench, of course, um, after the international break, just before the Champions League. Maybe Roma feel like they've got enough of a buffer um, on those around them, I think it's a mistake not to have played their absolute strongest team because, you know, Lazio are only three points behind. Inter are, are, are in the hunt. Um, even Milan can get themselves back into it. So maybe that could be a costly decision yeah, coming absolutely. in the season. Absolutely, and that, that, those two but points you, they drop. But you do have to juggle, you know, that there, you know, you've got Barcelona in midweek, so you do want your best players fit and ready to go. Yeah, I totally get that. But, of course, that the, the decision, the two points dropped... Um, was then exacerbated by Inter winning 3-0 against Verona, two for Riccardi there, and Lazio smacking, and I mean, it's no big deal that they've got six against Benevento. At least Benevento got two in return. Um, talk to me about the game between Fiorentina and Crotona. No big deal there, except for the familiar names of the goal scorers. Well, yeah, particularly seeing as this week on um, on BT Sport, they've been celebrating um, Gazzetta Italia and, and all that that brought to um, English football fans back in the day. The scorers for Fiorentina in that 2-0 victory, Simeone and Chiesa. Uh, two players um, that have got obviously famous... Famous fathers that, that graced yep. the Italian league back in the day, but like I say, that this was the, the, the sons of. Yeah, but but I, I mean, I, I'm. You know, this is clearly something that we've seen more and more and more of in football, isn't it? That um, whatever uh, DNA, whatever twitch fibers you need to play football, it's getting passed down generation by generation by generation. I mean, it's... opportunity though, Dad. I mean, how much. You, you you do it does make you wonder, doesn't it? To sort of how much um, talent you, gets wasted. Uh, because, yeah, 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 and and you know how, how far you can get on a name, for instance. Now, uh, Chiesa, I think, could be very special. Um, definitely looks like one of um, Italy's brightest young players. As far as Simeone goes, a bit more of a lump up front, an awkward player, um, and certainly I, I don't you know he's made. Uh, rightfully made his way up to the professional game. Not sure how much higher he can go. Chiesa definitely can. I mean, I just, uh, sorry, this came home to me, and this is rather boring for everybody else. Um, nearly 20 years ago, when uh, the certain North London team won the League Cup um, uh, against Leicester, that Spurs team had four players in it, four, count them, whose play- fathers had been you know, proper full-time professional players. What's, what's interesting is how the sons of are often good professionals, but Jordi Cruyff is no Johan Cruyff. Discuss. Frank Lampard may be the exception that proves all rules. Oh, of course. Of yeah, course. Be, yeah, be better yeah. than his dad. Um, uh, Italians love training camps and retreats when things don't go well. Yeah, so you, you know things are going badly when you're in retreat. Um, <laughs> uh, and it, it's in uh, Sampdoria at the moment, a team that we praise. It's the, it's the Italian version of the naughty step, it, isn't it? It really is. I mean, this... 
a team that we praised um, up. They they beat Juventus, if you remember, back in November. Um, lost to Kievo 2-1. They were winning um, in that game. Uh, so yeah, so that they've been sent to retreat. Yeah, they lost four out of five, and initially that just unless you're in the unless you're poor old Benevento, that just don't work, does it? No, I, I mean I suppose really they are where they should be in in eighth spot, but it, yeah. it's just the fact that of course all these defeats have come at once. Yeah, let's talk about um, the, the the vacancy with the Italian manager. We will, as we go through the big leagues, talk a little bit about the national sides we've had. We've seen them all play in the last few days, um, and we know a little bit more about how they're heading towards the World Cup, or in Italy's case not heading towards the World Cup. And um, Costa Curta, who I think is in charge of Italian football, um, has, has set a date for for the, uh, the the appointment of a new manager. May the 20th, they want to have someone in place. Now, you could say that's convenient. End of, uh, the, end of the Premier League season. <laughs> Antonio Conte could well be available. I think it's the day after the FA Cup final, so that yeah. could be um, Conte's Which last match. Which, of course, he could still be very much involved in, yep. Yeah. Um, others in the frame, Ancelotti, Mancini, Ranieri, probably... Um, the outsider in that race, but certainly I think most people expect it to be one of those names. Interesting that in that with the way you say that, though, that um, when we look across the border there at Germany, um, how they're always looking for younger managers, um, Jochen is not notwithstanding. In Italy, they, they tend to, if you, they like to know your name, as they say in Cheers, don't yeah, they? That, that is true. I, I mean, Ventura was a, was an older guy. Um, it didn't work out. They want somebody of uh, high caliber um i mean i don't think mancini is that one that's anywhere near that caliber i mean i think it's probably um the right stage of ancelotti's career but if there's a chance for conte to go back if he if he has had enough of, of club football for a while feels like there's unfinished business there he did a really good job yeah. with an average team there's good players i mentioned Chiesa. there are many more coming through you could really build something towards the next european championship the current man Biaggi, he's not staying there is he i wouldn't have thought so um he's the under 21 coach so he does know all of these younger guys like i mentioned that are coming through Gareth southgate style yeah um i mean uh, i'm not sure that it, it will be um it, Dibaja, because of what you, you mentioned there, I think they want a name to go in there. The two that keep getting mentioned are Ancelotti uh, and Mancini, but Conte would be the best choice. Very expensive. OK, who's your star of the week, uh, please? In, yeah, in it's uh, Consigli of Sassuolo, the goalkeeper. Uh, your goalie has to play well if you if you stop Napoli from winning, and he did make some big saves. OK, let me just tell you the two big games that are currently on. It's a half an hour gone between Atletico Madrid and Deportivo. That's nil-nil. Clarence Seidel still looking for his first win um, as manager of Deportivo. And in France, um, a little less time has gone there. It's uh, still nil-nil between Lyon and and to lose. I don't forget, we've got a new section for you at about uh, quarter to ten. Um, the Q&A, we can't think of a better name for it than that. We will do in the course of the next seven days, where Mark will, uh, it won't be me, Mark will answer any question you've got about European football, world football. Um, try and make it uh, serious, but it doesn't have to be heavyweight. It can be lightweight as well. Anything you want to know, Mark will answer your questions. Um, there's several ways to get in touch with us. Text your question to 81089. Um, you can email us at talksport.com. You can tweet us at talksport or give us a ring now, 08717 That's 08717 And we'll get you on to talk to Mark um, in the last one. We'll phone you back, so that will essentially be a free phone call. You'll listen to Trans Europe Express. I'll give you your music homework very, very soon. And next up, we'll be talking about everything that's going on in Spain. <laughs> Settle down where pretty girls are. Well, you know that I'm around. I can't 
Musical homework is songs about movement, about travel, about going places. This is Dion on the Bellmans, of course, the wonderful voice of Dion DiMucci and the Wanderer. I'll explain all about this in a little while. Let's just say it's to do with a team that this weekend made the longest trip you can make in a league match anywhere in the world so songs about movement travel going places text me on 8 10 89 and tweet me directly at danny kelly words with your requests we've also got a poll for you tonight here on trans europe express uh, in the recent weeks we've seen in the recent week rather we've seen most of the uh, important teams uh, taking part in the World Cup. Uh, who is your current favourite for the World Cup now that we've seen this batch of matches? And the ones we put in are Spain, Germany, Brazil, and England. Um, you may want to vote in that poll. You shouldn't very, have done very... that, Danny. Why did you, why, you? You made us put England in, didn't you? Um, actually, it was the rather mischievous producer. Um, I think his bets have gone well this weekend, and he's very, very mischievous. Uh, so there they are. If you go here, you could make an argument for. But one of the other teams outside of those, by all means, do. Be careful with Argentina, though, following their astonishing defeat uh, during the week to Spain. We'll talk more about that when we get back into the show. Let's talk actually about Spain next, where your headline, we were going to say unbeatable Barca, but let's be truthful, unbeatable Messi, isn't it? It is. Um, Barca looked like losing for the first time in La Liga this season. We can set the scene here. Amazingly, given the strength of some of these Real Madrid-Barcelona teams over the years, Nobody's ever gone unbeaten in La Liga. Not for a whole season, no. no um, I think Sociedad actually hold the record over 38 games, but not in the same season. Um, Barcelona are 30 games into doing that, though, Danny. And yeah. it looked like being uh, the, the run would end at 29. Sevilla, uh, that, that team that uh, Jose Mourinho talked up, uh, yeah. were actually living up to uh, Mourinho's hype. 2 new up and fully deserved it. Vazquez and uh, Luis Muriel got the goals. Could have been free. Um, you know, they always say 2-0 is a dangerous lead. Yeah, but not with three minutes to go, it's no, not. No, well, if Messi, uh, with Messi introduced after an hour and Luis Suarez on the pitch, uh, it's never over. Suarez pulled one back after 88 minutes. Within a minute of that, uh, Messi equalised outside the penalty area. Curling shot, not, not the hardest struck, but uh, perfectly placed. I thought Rico should have saved yes, it. Yes, I agree with you, except it was one that... For me, it's another step up in the in the technology of football from Lionel Messi. In that we've seen those part the thing where you pass the ball into the goal, but they're inevitably on the ground. He's now decided to put some height into it as well. And there was there was a lot of curl uh, as well, um, but I still think that Rico should have saved it. Um, and and you look down the fixture list: Barcelona, all the big teams that they've got uh, still to play, all at home. Yeah. So if they really are focused on it, and let let's be serious, the Copa del Rey. Um, and the Champions League will take precedence over uh, being unbeaten because for all that it's great, it actually... Um, Still you know, only in one trophy, it is it? Yeah, yeah. so um, I, I don't think that they'll be putting it ahead of, you know, Champions League preparations, and we may still see uh, Messi being rested for some games between now and the end of the season. Uh, uh, they didn't play well, um, but they, they did manage to get that 2-2. And, of course, um, they're now, um, you know, heading for the title. The team in second place is Atletico Madrid, and they've just done themselves uh, some good. They're playing at home to Deportivo, and after a difficult first 30 minutes, in which I think Deportivo got forward quite well, 
Um, Madrid, uh, Madrid have gone ahead. Atletico have gone ahead with a Kevin Gamero penalty. Very soft penalty as well, Danny. Yeah, absolutely. But Gamero smashed it in. Um, I guess that means that Griezmann isn't on the pitch. Um, and it's 1-0 to them. We'll come back to that game in just a second. Um, off the back of that, we can talk about, excuse me, Real Madrid. Yeah, uh, Real Madrid free. Um, nil victory away to Las Palmas. Um, probably most significant uh, for Gareth Bale's performance. Two goals, one penalty. Uh, Benzema was also on, on target from the spot. So the, the talk in Spain is, has he done enough to force his way? Oh, Deportivo just missed an absolute sitter. That should have been an equaliser. They've Current Seidel's not yeah. happy on, on the touchline. They have yeah, forced they, a whole series of corners. Oh, man, head it down. Well, very lucky there, Atletico Madrid. Still 1-0 to Madrid uh, in in that game there. Um, yes, uh, so, so the talk is, will Gareth Bale get into the team for this Champions League quarterfinal against Juventus? Um, uh, Memphis Depay just scored for Lyon um, to put them 1-0 up against he's Toulouse. He's in great form, isn't he? He is, and it's a very important game, of course, for Lyon that they're desperate to get back into the Champions League. They're in full spot at the moment, need the, 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 the win against Toulouse and that they've managed to um, get themselves in front. They've been dominating uh, the, the, the first half of this game. No doubt that they fully deserve the lead. Uh, and Memphis, has, um, with, his, uh, with his right foot, uh, has managed to curl one in from the edge of the area into the bottom corner. A lovely finish. Yeah. Uh, as I've been saying for a, a long time, I still think there's a big club in, in, in Memphis. Uh, he just needs to put it together for a... You know, for for a longer sequence of games, I think in beautiful short technique. Bursts, by the way, beautiful technique. In short bursts, he's he, you know he's right up there, but he just doesn't do it often enough. Um, but getting back to to Real Madrid, a very comfortable um, victory. Las Palmas. All right, let me let me throw it straight into you. Champions League final. Um, let's. Uh, I, I don't know who it's going to be against. Um, is Bale starting? For you Real know, Madrid? I, I if think everyone's it, fit. I think it would depend on who they played because I think they they've got this different way of playing now depending on who it is um I would say though it's unlikely I, I think that the way they played against Paris Saint-Germain with Lucas Vazquez with uh you know uh, doing a very good solid defensive job then maybe and he loves Benzema and Ronaldo up front so I think Bale would, I think he, he would be um more likely to be on the bench let's put it that way the problem for Zinedine Zidane is if they lose the, that final that, that imaginary final we just put them into um, with Bale on the bench, um, you look at the last two Champions League finals, and one of the turning points in everything is is what Bale did. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, not, what, bad, not a bad substitute. Not, is he? not a bad substitute. <laughs> and you know, it could be that he that the thirty minute burst or whatever that he could give would actually be better than you know him sort of struggling through fitness wise, which he has done for a lot of this season. So I just mentioned Atletico winning one nil against Depor. I mean, I know nobody expects Deportivo to win this game. Um, but sooner or later, Clarence Seydorf, bless him, who's doing his nut about the penalty uh, on the sideline there, he's going to have to win a game because uh, this is going on and on now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, they're seven points from safety. I don't think they've got any chance, really, uh, of staying up. Uh, it was a surprise decision to give him um, the job. I mean, he was being linked with the Oldham position at one stage and he's ended up uh, at Depor. Um, it was a tough task for anybody, really, to take. They've actually played. This is as good as I've seen them play away from home exactly. in ages. I mean, they're unlucky they're, they're, to be one down. They have definitely been the more progressive, to use the modern parlours, the more progressive side in this first 40 minutes. Um, the Spanish national team, we thought we'd mention each of these big teams as we go through the leagues. Um, in the build-up to a World Cup, to take on one of the favourites and beat them 6-1, they must be just licking their lips, aren't they? Argentina. On the back, of course, of that excellent 1-1 draw away to Germany, then... Yeah destroyed, uh, admittedly, Lionel Messi-less um, Argentina, which is always 
easier than if Messi's playing. Um, but it was a fantastic performance. Uh, Isco played well. There's talk that Aspas is trying to get his way into that number nine position. Obviously, Morata scored today. Diego Costa's playing well. And Rodrigo um, also on target um, against Germany and then scored today for Valencia in their 1-0 victory at Leganes. Yeah, no, look, you say they were without Messi, and I totally understand that, but that defence doesn't have Messi, and that Argentinian defence looked absolutely porous uh, yes. on the night. Who's your star of the week in Spain? Oh, it's Rodrigo. Um, played well for Spain, and then um, scored the goal that should enable Valencia to celebrate Champions League football next season. Listen, thank you very much indeed for that, Mark. When we come back, we'll talk about um, Germany, where there was, uh, well, we've got so much stuff to tell you about from the big game, the Classica, um, or as we're going to be calling it, something slightly different when we get back. Keep your requests coming in for songs about movement, travel, going places, going. Um, and you, you can do those at 81089 or at me at Danny Kelly Words on Twitter. Um, keep voting in our poll. I'll tell you more about that when we come back. You're listening to Trans Europe Express. I'm Danny Kelly. He's Mark Langdon. It is Easter Sunday, and you could be doing something else, so we're very, very grateful to each and every one of you for listening. with Jamiroquai knows no bounds there seems to be no musical homework that I can set that he can't find some song by the uh, behatted one the chapeaued one this is Jamiroquai I'm told and uh, run away run around run away that's Mike Reed run around isn't it <laughs> songs about travelling movement going places I'll explain all that a little later in the show with an incredible story your requests keep coming please at and tweet me directly at Danny Kelly words. Actually, let it play a little bit so that he does get his Jamiroquai fix. Yeah, Mark Langdon is here with me still. And next we're going to move on to Germany, where the biggest uh, game of the season is called uh, Classica. We're calling it headline Demassica. <laughs> uh, Bayern 6, Borussia Dortmund 0. And Bayern Munich declared. Make no mistake about that. They could have run up any score they wanted. Tell us about the first half. Yeah, well, I mean, from, from a Dortmund point of view, it was absolutely horrendous. 5-0. Um, as you say, could have been worse. Um, Lewandowski scored very early on. I thought it was offside, and they went to VAR, and they decided it wasn't offside, and most people were confused by that. Maybe they'd see the a video of it that we hadn't seen I'm not sure but looked offside but um, you know yeah, not even Peter Stoger could uh, start complaining about that when uh, further goals from James and Ribery the, the Muller goal was fantastic movement um, but, but, but from a hang Dortmund, on, hang on. Muller's got two great goals now in the past two weeks. It must be oh dear, World just, Cup. just running up to the World Cup, just in time for the World Cup. Well, he, He's done nothing he, for three years, the fella. He, he he was on the end of excellent work from other people, which is usually the the, the Thomas Muller way. Uh, Castro was taken off inside uh, thirty minutes. As far as Dortmund were concerned, uh, they'd lost five one and four. They on recent trips to the Allianz Arena, so maybe no surprise that it did finish six 0 no, but, I mean, eventually it finished 6 0. You're absolutely right. Um, and uh, I, I praise to you here, Mark. I don't know how you do this. You've come up with some astonishing background statistics to this defeat for Dortmund. Right, OK. So. Listen up, everybody. Listen to this. 5 0 
at half-time was Dortmund's worst result at, at, at the half-time interval since 1978, when they were losing 6-0 against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh-huh. They would go on to lose that game 12-0. Boom. Jupp Heinkers, the Bayern Munich coach who oversaw um, that, that performance yesterday, scored five of the goals on that occasion, and in that Gladbach 12-0 win, wow. they actually needed to win by at least 10 goals to have a chance of the title. They won 12. I mean, Bayern had beaten Dortmund um, 11-1 early in the 70s, and at, at half-time, you were starting to check those kind of history books to see if it could get anywhere. I mean, afterwards, uh, Stoger, the, the Dortmund coach, uh, said it, 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 that there's some positives to take out of it. Wow. Um, apparently, it means that Dortmund will be leaving no stone unturned um, in in sort of what they need to do for next season, I would have thought no Stoger unrepl- un- un- uh, unemployed would be one of, one of the things that's going to happen. <laughs> I, I mean, Stoger is getting it in the neck, and, and a- rightly so. I mean, they've appointed somebody that was bottom of the Bundesliga with the worst points total of any team ever going into the halfway stage um, of the season. Look, when they got rid of Thomas Tuchel, there were problems behind the scenes. I understand why Thomas Tuchel went. They then they got Peter Bosch in. Um, it turned out to be a disastrous appointment. I think they've made an even worse one here. And yeah, he might still get them and in. And the first, the, the, first, the first of those stones that has been turned is that, uh, you know, a very, very famous uh, player there, there, Matthias Sammer, has come back um, with some kind of spurious title. Yeah, he, he's just going to be a consultant now. He left by Munich. He, he was in, in charge of sort of um, di- director of football there. Um, he, he left it. There was He had an illness uh, as well. So... You know, you you wonder whether he could do that kind of job on a full time basis. But certainly, Dortmund have lost key people in in the back room already. We've seen you know going off to Arsenal and whatever. They they need some experienced heads in terms of where they go next for their managerial um, appointment. And you know, we, we were talking earlier on um, before we came on there. Uh, Asenhutl, the, the the Leipzig coaches, talk of him signing a new contract, and we we're just discussing. Would you rather be the manager of Borussia Dortmund or Leipzig? Now, obviously, one team has got all of the history, um, all of the glamour associated with it. But I, I, could, you could argue you'd be more likely to have success at Leipzig in the next few years. If, you, if I asked you this question, say I was offering you a three-year contract, which side is more likely to win uh, the, the title? I mean, no, but take Bayern Munich out of it. To win the t- which t- is going to be title challengers? In the next three years, right now, you'd say Leipzig. I, I think you would. Um, I mean, Dortmund have lost their way um, a, a lot, uh, and you wonder about some of the signings. Yes, it's that, isn't it? Their, 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 their extraordinary ability to spot a talent and develop them has just left them, whether temporarily, it's left them at the moment. And, and well, I think maybe they've just got too many that have not quite developed, and it's only so long you can keep selling um, or, or Hello, losing Southampton. the Lewandowski and and when Goetzel was at his absolute peak and, and Gundogan um, you know Marco Royce hasn't been fully fit I don't think Pulisic has um, been anywhere near as good as what everybody expected him to be in the last couple of months and I don't blame him for that he's only a young guy I think that um, the whole the whole team is wrong at the moment, and, and that's leaving to some some very dodgy performances. And the door that that's opened, which uh, Leipzig haven't gone through this week, although as you say they did win this weekend at uh, at Hanover by three goals to two, surviving a late VAR. That door has been kicked in to be the second team in best team in Germany by Schalke. Well, Schalke and Dortmund probably the biggest rivalry in German football. So the fact that Dortmund are um, you know, so so four points behind them 
is is a big big problem for Dortmund because it was a big problem for Schalke because they were making too many wrong decisions on the back of the fact that Dortmund were successful. Yeah, the and pressure they were, was killing them. It, it was, and and now it, it so quickly um, flipped. And Tedesco, their new coach, they seem to have solved that issue. Um, how Dortmund need to do likewise in the near future. 2-0 victory I mean, over Two Freiburg. very similar clubs. I mean, in industrial cities with massive support. Um, and there's no reason why Schalke can't return to what they once were. Oh, Schalke are a huge club yeah. in terms of um, season tickets, one of the biggest clubs in Europe, never mind Germany. This and is their, a boys, monster their, club. their disappearance from the top level of German football for the past 10 years is the mystery, not their, their arrival now. No, no. And I mean, they're winning their league, aren't they? I mean, they're not yeah. going to, you know, they, they can't beat Bayern six, Munich. Six wins on a spin, very rarely done in the Bundesliga. Very yeah, good. Oh, I, yeah ab- absolutely, as far as Schalke are concerned, anyway. Okay, they're, they're going to lose one of their best players. I think Max Meyer appears not to want to sign a new contract. Well, yeah, obviously Goretzka is already off to Bayern Munich. Max Meyer was an attacking midfielder. Tedesco has changed him into um, a creative defensive midfielder in sort of the mould of Pirlo. Sits in front of the defence, gets the team going. Um, but his performances for Schalke mean that he'll probably be off and a lot of Premier League teams are having a look. You could imagine him at somewhere like Liverpool. Man City maybe even as well if he if he carries on um, that He's level versatile of versatile too isn't he if you're one of these who likes to change the team around it a bit can I, I mean I'd, I'd like to think now though actually they've they found Schalke found the key to him and that he wasn't an attacking midfielder all this time and, and Pirlo started off as a number 10 and actually went back to being um, in Italy and Germany the number 6 or whatever you know just in front of the defence I think maybe Max Martin, he, he, I mean, he'll struggle to be as good as Pirlo, but he certainly seems to have found his calling. OK, now let's talk about the other end of the table, if I may. Um, two two fine old clubs, uh, two large clubs again, uh, Cologne and Hamburg, are really competing now to see who can make the biggest <laughs> bish of this season. Now, this week's applause goes to... Uh, Cologne, who managed to lose six 0 at Hoffenheim. Yes, um, yeah, maybe Julian Nagelsmann, uh, who had a, a bad sort of middle part of the season. He's put his name back in the the right frame for one of these bit of uh, you know bigger jobs. Well, Hoffenheim are only four points off the Champions League place again now. Yeah, they, they are. I mean, I I still don't think that they'll get there, but nope. actually to be even up to seventh is still a good achievement, given they lost all their players or certainly some key players in the summer. Uh, but you're right, Cologne having shown signs of improvement in recent weeks, sort of slipped back into the uh, bad old ways. 6-0, Timo Horn, the goalkeeper, um, says the fans should get their money back. Uh, I mean, I totally disagree with that. Um, if you're a fan and you, you travel, um, that's you know that can happen. And I, I don't think any fan should, should ever take their money back. Actually. It's the 6-0 it's the away defeat that makes the, uh, let's say, 3-1 victory at local rivals. That doesn't happen very often. Hello. Um, and it's that that makes it all the more sweeter, isn't it? It is. And of, of course, it was only um, before the international break that they did exactly that when they beat Leverkusen, one of their uh, you know big rivals. So, you know, th- these things happen. And um, Cologne are going to, I think, go back down to, to Bundesliga 2. But they've had a European run. Uh, things have, have gone horribly for them. Hamburg actually are showing uh, signs of improvement under our friend Tits. Um, yeah. Uh, a one-one Christian draw away... Tits, he's here. Uh, a one-one draw away to Stuttgart is, is not a it's bad a result, result and it? Lewis Holt be on the score sheet for Hamburg. Um, and uh, and a question for you: Is the Bundesliga the new Serie A of the nineteen eighties? Three nil-nil draws, uh, which is, is pretty rare. Um, it is in, 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 in the, the gold crazy Bundesliga. Leverkusen nil-nil with Augsburg. Hertha Wolfsburg maybe not such a surprise that one finished nil-nil. 
and Mainz Gladbach, two really out of form teams, uh, played out a bit of a shocker today. Um, the good news, of course, is that the German national team, we heard about Thomas Muller, the rest of them, I, I won't crack my knuckles on air, it'll make somebody vomit, but I can't do it anyway. Um, but they're, they're really cracking their knuckles in preparation for the World Cup, aren't they? They are. Not the greatest um, batch of friendlies, obviously beaten by Brazil, drew with Spain. The Spain game was fantastic. Uh, Brazil... I was, it was that game that I was actually referring to, um, that Spain game. I mean, Spain could come out of it and say, we were also getting looking brilliant for the World Cup. The quality of the football was something else. Champions League level. It, yeah. it was it, it was a real proper game. It, usually these international friendlies are not great. This was fantastic. Brazil took the game really seriously. Not sure that Germany were. They haven't got a great record in friendlies. It's all about preparation. You know what's going to happen when the World Cup comes, their big players will turn up. Do you know, do, do you, my, my, you know, we know how close you study these things, do you know what Germany's 11 will be at the start of the first game? Oh, I, I think you can, because Yogi Love is such, um, he, he's, he's all about the equilibrium of the group, he'll stick, but he's such a loyal guy. Let's assume that Neuer's fit. There's Neuer, yeah, well, name no, the other 10. I, I think Neuer will be fit, um, yeah. he's, he's expected back soon. Uh, Kimmich and Hector will be the two full-backs. It will be Hummels and Boateng as the centre-backs. Um, up front, I think Timo Werner will force his way in. Um, in terms of the midfield, I think it will be Tony Crowe, Sammy Kadira, and Meza Ozil playing in that number 10 role. I think on the right, Thomas Muller, 10 goals in two World Cups. The left is the yeah, slight... The one, isn't it? It's a slight issue. I, I mean, Sane's playing so well for Manchester City that... I think it would be a mistake if he picked anybody else. Yes, and he's got to he's got to overcome his own nature there, hasn't he, to pick uh, somebody from outside of that World Cup winning group. But but Sane's showing again, again and again and again, just what a wonderful footballer he is. The other option uh, would be uh, Julian Draxler, who of course has done some excellent work um, for Yogi Love in the past. Marco Royce, the wild card pick, um, as Leon actually, I've got a penalty. Danny to go two 0 up. Memphis Depay uh, from twelve yards. Um, he, he's he certainly he's already scored one today, mm-hmm. and I think if Leon can get a second goal, they've thrown away some silly points already this season. But if they can get that second goal uh, just before half time, should enable them to uh, to, to, to push on. How can you how can you write off Toulouse? Yaya Sonogo's playing up front for them. Yep, there we go. Two nil to, to <laughs> oh, Leon. Yeah, <laughs> um, Memphis sent the goalkeeper the wrong way, put it in the same corner that he did he, he, his first goal, and Leon are, are well, well on their way to, to maximum points. What I would say, as, as I just mentioned, they have chucked away some stupid points this season already. What I will say, you know, you're absolutely right. There is, with all due respect to Leon, a fine football club, uh, Olympic Leonese, there is a another big club inside of Memphis Depay waiting to happen. He's got an. Ibrahimovic-style confidence about his own ability, and maybe that was an issue for him at Manchester United. Um, I think the United move just happened too soon. Mm, yeah, and also at a time when the, when the team was in just bang average form. Yeah, he was hard. part of that, though. He was meant to add dynamism, and he, he didn't. Nobody was adding dynamism under that manager. No. no. Who's the star of the week in Germany? <laughs> my, my star of the week is Florian Kofeld. I don't think we've had him before. No. Uh, he's the Werder Bremen coach. When he took over, they were in big relegation trouble. They're now up to 12th. They're not going to qualify for the Europa League, but they're pushed up safely into mid-table. Won a game today, beat Eintracht Frankfurt 2-1, and in the process damaged um, Eintracht's chances of qualifying for the Champions League. Yeah, but he's doing a fantastic job. Four wins out of the last five. Really, exactly. really good form. Thank you very much indeed, Mark. When we come back, um, we'll be talking about everything that's going on 
in France, including um, the return to fantastic form of Dimitri Payet. All that's coming up very, very soon here on Trans Europe Express. course to proclaim as well done whoever asked for this i've looked on my screen just now and our songs about movement and going places and traveling the mighty proclaimers and 500 miles mark it's one of the things more things i've done in my in my long and varied career um when i was music just i went on tour with the proclaimers to the outer hebrides and they played in how little, far did you walk Daddy? not very oh. far we went by little boats though little tiny boats because the, the gear is too heavy for, for the little airplanes and I remember going to a school hall, I think it might have been on Benbecula, that little island, where they played that song about Left from America, about having to leave Scotland to get to get a life. Um, and I remember the kids in that hall, was, this wasn't a song, this was their actual life story being written, the tears ran down my fat old balloon of a face. <laughs> you can get your request in for songs, make them as good as this, please. Um, you can uh, text them at 81089 and tweet me directly at Danny Kelly Words on Twitter. In the second half, I'm sure I'll explain why we're doing travelling as the as the uh, song tonight. Let's uh, go to France and High Five is the uh, the headline from France. Oh yeah, I mean PSG have upset the odds once again, Danny, by winning. How the... do they do it, these underdogs? <laughs> I mean, so so plucky, aren't they? Um, <laughs> fifth League Cup in a row. 3-0 victory against Monaco in Bordeaux. Uh, Cavani penalty early on. That kind of set the mood. Di Maria uh, made it 2-0. Ronnie Lopez had a chance to, to reduce the arrears. Missed a one-on-one. Then Falcao had a goal ruled out for VAR. Those two VAR decisions, because the Cavani penalty also went to VAR, took over five minutes, mm-hmm. um, which... Uh, upset everybody, including Lisa Razou, who started um, comparing it to, to bad sex and, and all kinds of uh, um, weird metaphors. You wouldn't know anything about that. No. So <laughs> uh, and you then... and your mate, uh, <laughs> Patrick Clyburn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I keep telling him not to text me, but he won't get the message. Uh, so Moutinho uh, went off on a stretcher, injured his knee. Don't think it's going to rule him out of the World Cup, but you always wonder, don't you, when, when these things happen um, late on in the season. Cavani made it 3-0. Uh, PSG easy right. winners after the game the Monaco manager Jardim was saying no I won't be the new PSG manager he was trying to drop a hint that it might be Mourinho but well, yeah he said it, it It may be a Portuguese manager but it won't be me right well so maybe that, Carlos Carvajal or... that narrows it down slightly doesn't it um, but uh, the news coming out of Paris and of course this is one of the big jobs uh, in a summer which is going to be an absolute carousel a roundabout for the big clubs I mean maybe maybe I think maybe seven or eight of the top clubs in Europe are going to require new managers this season after the World Cup. The name coming out is Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Seems to be the favourite in France. Uh, According to reports he interviewed this week, it went brilliantly. He speaks perfect French, uh, which Unai Emery always battered around the chops for his lack of French when he first arrived, was always on the back foot. when, When you go to Paris Saint Germain, do your press conferences in Spanish, that does not go down very well at all. Tuchel speaks French. Of course, he left Dortmund under a cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, he's somebody that, in terms of the very highest echelon of manager, he hasn't reached that level yet. 
maybe he can get there, maybe he can't. Um, I really like Thomas Tuchel. I'm a little bit surprised if it is Tuchel that they've not gone for a a bigger one. My question exactly, why do they keep Unai Emre, Tuchel, why do they keep going for people who are not in that absolute elite that the Premier League suddenly seems to be specialising in? Why don't they go and get themselves a Champions League manager? Yes, I think that that would... I mean, I, I think he's an upgrade on Unai Emery. I, I do believe yeah, that. And he, but he and, hasn't... And, he, and he has great potential, but who knows what he's going to be? Yeah, I, I suppose it's difficult to get these managers out of uh, of their clubs. I mean... Hang on, they moved, They got Neymar. They got <laughs> Neymar, but that was slightly different. And, of course, that they could... Um, you know, Neymar wanted to leave Barcelona. For his because own, he's a git? Yeah, because of his own personal reasons and obsession with winning the FIFA Ballon d'Or, which just seems very strange in, in, in a team sport. But where do they go? I, have I mean, no time for the Ballon some, d'Or. I mean, nonsense. you could say, I mean, somebody else that was linked with the job, Pochettino, in a very similar mould to Tuchel, in somebody that everybody thinks could be very good um, and, and is on the verge of taking that jump into the next level of coach right to the top. But hasn't is that an opportunity though? The only has Tuchel not won the Champions League because he hasn't been given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's maybe what Paris Saint Germain are looking at. Um, Conte, I, I still think. I mean, Conte's record in the Champions League isn't great, um, but I mean, I, I would like to see him um, go to Paris Saint Germain. Let me just give the latest from our poll. Actually, I forgot to do that a little while ago. Our poll is having seen the recent internationals. Who is your favourite? Uh, for the upcoming World Cup. At the moment, Brazil languishing in fourth place with 20%. England, 23% ahead of Brazil. Uh, Spain, 26%. And Germany, 31 Very close indeed. Mitchell says, uh, why not France? Perfectly good question, in my opinion. Michael says, why not Belgium? Even more pointed, in my opinion. Uh, you say, why not Uruguay? Yeah, I, I mean, just in, uh, if you have a look at their centre-backs, Godin and, and Jimenez, the, the two centre-halves, uh, both play for Atletico Madrid. Cavani and Suarez are up front. I think if you're looking for somebody outside of the obvious, Uruguay tick a lot of the boxes. Okay, you can vote in that at TalkSport on Twitter, at Danny Kelly Words on Twitter, and at Mark Langdon on Twitter. Let me just uh, rattle through um, what's going on. Leon, you said, winning 2-0 at home to Toulouse. Dimitri Payet has now got the most assists for, uh, in, in, in 2018. Team. Yeah, in, in European football, he's got the most assists this year, calendar year. And let's have a quick, uh, one minute on France, uh, the, the national side after their recent internationals. Yes, um, obviously lost to Colombia, which wasn't a great start. Hugo Lloris made an error for one of the goals. There were also other defensive problems. Pogba wasn't picked. Matuidi played instead of him. They played 4-4-2. Didn't quite work. And Mbappe's out on the right midfield. Thomas Lamar on the left-hand side of midfield. Uh, Griezmann and his pal Giroud, the absolute darling uh, of Deschamps, his side um, was up front. Changed things around for the second game in Russia. Now, Brazil had already tonked Russia a couple of days earlier. France ended likewise. Mbappe made the centre of the whole team Built it around him. I mean, the goalkeeper didn't cover himself in glory, but Mbappe still scored twice. Pogba played, played very well. It's just about finding the right eleven, And it's not easy because they've almost got too many good players. And I think that that is hindering Deschamps. OK, so who's your star of the week in France? Oh, I just mentioned him. Um, Mbappe scored twice for France. and All three assists in the League Cup final. Fantastic. And you're absolutely right. They're going to have to find a system, and no matter what the manager's uh, obsession with Olivier Giroud is, uh, they're going to have to find a system that gets the best out of it. 
incredible squad of players that they've got. But that's what these World Cup uh, build-up matches are supposed to be about. And don't forget, the World Cup is just weeks away now. More about that in the second half of the show. And every game is live here on TalkSport, your home of live football. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's Trans-Europe Express on TalkSport. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. the second hour of tonight's of Trans Europe Express with the aforementioned Danny Kelly, a name above the door of the pub. But alongside me, of course, Mark Langdon is here with us. So it should be a belting second hour, during which we will preview the Champions League and the Europa League, bring you a European cult hero. Sports of Manchester City might want to listen out for that one in particular. Bring you Simon Calder's latest travel report uh, from Russia. Every game, of course, on the World Cup live here on Talk Sport. Take you around all the other European leagues um, and... Um, the first of a new thing are the Trans Europe Express Q&A. If you've got a question for Mark Langdon about anything to do with European football, where is so-and-so, what's happened to so-and-so, what's happening at, anything like that, by all means, get your questions in now. You can ring us first and foremost, 08717 or if you're too lazy or drunk uh, on a bank holiday to do that, and by all means, text your question to 81089 or tweet it directly to at TalkSport. That phone number again is 87172 Ask Mark Langdon anything you want about European football. That is all going to be squeezed in with our poll and our musical homework to just 65, 55 minutes of radio. This is, as they're saying... Thank you very much indeed, Roll. Mark, let's uh, talk about the Champions League and the Europa League. We've got some games for you live here on Talk Sport. 
as we head into the quarter-final stages of these tournaments. But I suppose the big news over the week is not just tinkering, but significant rule changes. Yeah, um, some of the more minor ones. We've got uh, a fourth substitute uh, to be used during extra time, which makes absolute sense, given... Uh, the way that football has moved on. Um, we've also got two games in the group stages kicking off two hours before, so slightly staggering uh, the kickoff times. So we'll be able to see more matches. I'm all for that. But perhaps the biggest one no more cup tied players. Really, really important change this is. I it? think this could, um, in terms of the January transfer market, uh, sorry to talk about that yeah. when it's so far away, but you, you so often hear about teams would buy player X but they can't, he's cup tied obviously Barcelona still went through with their uh, Philip Coutinho uh, deal even though he was cup tied um, because he'd already played for Liverpool I think this makes sense I'm for it, you can only do three, you can only register three players um, I, I understand that it could mean a Man City or a Paris Saint-Germain in theory could go out and spend whatever on, on a, you know some more players I think they'd do that anyway, yes. uh, to be honest. I think what this does is... It, I mean, an example would be that Aubameyang, um, during the, during, in, in, in the winter, when it became clear that Dortmund were prepared to let him go, um, I'm not sure where, who, was, who might have gone from otherwise, but they couldn't play him in the Champions League for the rest of this year. No, and it becomes such a convoluted rule that you know uh, he couldn't play in it because even though he couldn't play in the Europa League, even though he hadn't played in the Europa League, but because Dortmund had dropped from the Champions League into the Europa League and he didn't play for Dortmund anymore, but he did play for Arsenal, he still wasn't allowed to play. Which, which is uh, nonsense. It Absolute is nonsense. nonsense yeah. And I, uh, as a football fan, first and foremost, I want to see the best players in the latter stages of these competitions. I want to see Coutinho maybe in the Champions League final. I think it... It robs us of a you know a star player if Barcelona get there and he can't play in it. Similarly, Arsenal Europa League, they should be able to play at a Bamiyang. So I'm I'm very much for it. I do understand why people are slightly nervous, but this idea that oh well you know you could go and if say Man City got Basel, they could go and buy all of Basel's players and and guarantee a path through to the quarterfinals. They, there's nobody from that Basel that would get into Man City team anyway. So no, no, and, and that that was always the reason why they brought in these rules. Yeah. So you so you wouldn't get Real Madrid get to the uh, you know a certain place in the tournament and buy up the opposition's players, but that was before financial fair play as well. It was a different world. And financial fair play, you know, people mock financial fair play, and it's not an easy one to explain. And and that's because nobody really knows the books, and uh, I think that. The rules are quite complicated. They're complicated for a reason. Uh, it's definitely affecting someone like Paris Saint-Germain now, isn't it? Their their ability to buy players behind that amazing front t- f- three that they've assembled is limited. Well, absolutely. I mean, they, you know, they, they signed Lasana Diarra on a free transfer. You can't tell me that that was Paris Saint-Germain's first that target. That can't have been the plan, can it? No, it no. can't have been the, 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 the plan. So I think that financial, player, financial fair play is working to some extent. Um Maybe not as, as as much as some people would like, uh, but I, I I tend to think this is a good rule change overall. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the actual games then. Starting the Champions League, um, and uh, you know, the, the, there's there's a there's, for British people, of course, there's a, a very juicy tie on Wednesday. But let's start on Tuesday, um, with what looks as recently has been the final: Juventus against Real Madrid. Yes, I I, I fancy Real Madrid to go through. Um, I think they're over their their bad spell. And as I mentioned earlier on, I don't think that Juventus are playing particularly well. I mean, Tottenham had them on the ropes and couldn't j- just deliver that knockout blow. Sure. 
um, to them. Real Madrid, if they get them in a similar position, I don't see them being um, anywhere near as wasteful um, or as forgiving um, in, in that role. Juventus are missing a couple of players. Pjanic and Benatia are suspended for that first leg. Key, key absentees, Pjanic, no doubt. Pjanic, particularly uh, at the home game, if they were going to get into a groove and start to attack Real Madrid, he sets that tempo, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Benatia has been a big player for the, the, the I'd be more worried about if, it, if it's the game in Madrid that Benatia was missing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Barzali could come in there uh, and play that role. But Real Madrid put Juventus away. They absolutely dominated them in midfield in that Champions League final. Uh, back in, was it May or June? I mm-hmm. think it was June. I don't think Juventus have done anywhere near enough to rectify uh, the same thing. So why, why uh, no two games of football are ever the same, but how do Juventus go from being so comprehensively outplayed to somehow dominating Real Madrid in that key midfield area. Well, that's, that's, why, it. that's why the coaches are getting 150 grand a week, uh, to be absolutely frank. And yes. We'll see what he can do. Yes, but there's only so much a coach can do. I mean, Allegri maybe is one that we should have mentioned in the PSG ranks. I, I mean, he, say, he's yeah. probably deserving of of that. I mean, Juventus are a massive club uh, themselves, but I don't. I feel like Juventus have missed their chance to win this competition. Right, last year would have been it. Um, Sevilla take on Bayern Munich, a Bayern Munich team that appears to be rounding, even by their own standards, into form just in time. Such a, uh, a positive team. Jupp Heynckes picked for that Dortmund game. Ribéry and Robin on the wings. Lewandowski through the middle. Muller and Hamez in behind. Amazing. Uh, so Sevilla having faced next to no forwards when they played 180 minutes against Manchester United, have suddenly got it all on. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I just think that Bayern Munich have got too much yeah, quality. I think it'll them. be a high-scoring game because I think Munich will run up a score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, Sevilla showed against Barcelona they've got a threat going forward. Even when they were tonked by Atletico Madrid the other week, they, they did score goals. They just conceded five. If you can see five to Atletico Madrid wow. and the way that Atletico played, Griezmann was on fire that night. Um, Bayern Munich, with all of their weapons in the final third, I think will definitely go through. I mean, Sevilla have got a very good home record. That's their best chance. It's an intimidating arena. I just don't see them progressing over 180 minutes. Um, and then on Wednesday, live here on TalkSport, we've got Barcelona against Roma. Come back to that. But of course, at Anfield, it's Liverpool against Manchester City. And I think we have to take into account that it is not a Premier League game where Manchester City are currently um, r- running everyone ragged. I think we have to accept that this is a, you know, a different thing and a new test for Manchester City's Ab- wonderful absolutely. team. And of course, Liverpool are the team that ended City's invincible uh, bid in terms of the Premier League. They scored four goals. I think it was the one occasion when Edison played like Claudio Bravo. Um, other than that, he's been fantastic. I just think this will be an amazing yeah. game. I think Man City's players or their, their staff have made a mistake in talking about the atmosphere and and wanting you know uh, to make sure that the coach has got a safe passage through and um, I, I think that's a mistake because you're only going to build up what is going to be um, probably the, the best atmosphere in any uh, of these matches. Yeah, and the Liverpool fans have a part to play there, and, and I think and they will play. And it. City have invited them so to do. They know? have. Um, what you would say is that City on the counter attack have got brilliant options. So have Liverpool. Obviously, City are favourites. I mean, you, you've got yes. to look at the, the fact that they're, they're well clear of Liverpool in the Premier League. But over, they're a better know, team. That's yeah, they are. They are. They're, they're, I mean, you could say they're the best team in Europe. Certain, I think they are the best team in Europe. But Liverpool are not that far behind them, and this will be a in, in terms of a one-off game. I'm not saying over course of a season they no, can't no. live with City. 
over 90 minutes or 180 minutes, I think this is just going to be brilliant. I mean, Summer City's football against Everton this weekend were just... I mean, admittedly, an Everton team... Liverpool are not statues, are they, midfield like Everton? Everton, managed by a man 20 months ago, was the England manager. Extraordinary performance by Everton. We'll come on to that, no doubt, uh, tomorrow night when I'm back here for kick-off uh, with Simon Jordan and Gordon Strachan. Um, make a case for Roma finding a way past Barcelona in three hours, I dare you. <laughs> uh, I suppose what you would say is that they've got goals in them, Roma. Uh, they they did very well at Stamford Bridge earlier on in the season when Chelsea were playing better than they are now. That's about it. I'm sorry. I mean, you run you run personality, haven't you? <laughs> I mean, you know, Jeco is the type of forward that maybe can cause problems if you get balls into the box. Yeah, and but... TT and PK. I mean, we'll struggle against that if Roma can deliver the balls into the box. But Roma are going to struggle with Suarez and Messi much more. And I, I, I'm struggling to make no, a case right. for Roma. Let me just remind you then, here on TalkSport, live on Tuesday, full commentary of Juventus against Real Madrid. And live on Wednesday on TalkSport 2, full commentary of Barcelona against Roma. And pick me out some of these ties from the European, uh, from the Europa League rather, that have caught your eye. Well, as, as we should start with Arsenal because this is obviously their chance back into the, uh, the, the Champions League. I think it's a, it's a really winnable game against CSK Moscow. I don't think you can ask for much more at this stage than of a Europa League competition. Yeah, they, I mean, they got, they, they got the, the, the juiciest draw there, didn't they? They did. And I, I don't know how uh, Leon threw it away against CSK Moscow. They were in complete control. Leon have got that in them, uh, not for the first time this season. Uh, but I, I think that this is a really good opportunity uh, for, for Arsenal to get through to the semi-finals. CSK Moscow did win 2-1 today at Rostov, uh, but like I say, I, f- I think this is a really good tie for Arsenal. The one I'm looking forward to most, probably Lazio against Red Bull Salzburg. Yeah, you, you, you we, we uh, seem to be establishing here on Trans-Europe Express, where this is where you find these things out. Red Bull Salzburg, well, I know, secretly good at football. <laughs> they are, I mean, a, a satellite club for Leipzig, so they get Naby Keita before you've heard of Naby Keita, and then they go to Leipzig, and then they go to Liverpool, and, and that's the food chain. They're doing brilliantly domestically. Okay, it's only Austrian football, but they've done fantastically well in the Europa League. They are uh, knocked out Dortmund and deserve to beat Dortmund for all that Dortmund have got their issues. Lazio like to play football as well. Uh, Salzburg play a progressive style of of play. They press high, got a lot of young, energetic players in their team. Obviously, this is kind of new ground for them, quarterfinals of a Europa League and their players. But if you've been to Dortmund and dealt with the atmosphere there... You know, why not again against Lazio? Really interested to see how they get on. They won the UEFA Youth League last season, so this is a team that's definitely on the up. For me, the one I'm really looking forward to is Leipzig against Marseille, because Leipzig, to me, um, watching their uh, horrible word, project, develop, um, we've seen it do very well in German domestic football, and now we've got an opportunity to see if they can do it on a European stage. Um, and, you know, if they were to get to the final, even, of the Europa League, it's definitely telling you something about the way the world is changing. I, I think most people would love to see a RB Leipzig and RB Salzburg tie at some stage. That would be one for the popcorn uh, <laughs> and, and just see how everybody deals with that situation. I think the champion, you've got to remember, this was Leipzig's first ever European campaign. Completely new to the manager, completely new to the fans. That's why I'm, I'm and following it like, of, a, like a science experiment. So, when they failed in the Champions League and Timo Werner had to go off in the first half away to Besiktas, he's, 
ears were hurting and he was unbalanced by the noise inside the stadium. This was just all completely new to a club. The the idea of playing midweek and then weekend, it, it was just alien to them. I mean, they, they've learned as the season has gone on how to deal with that. They're now in a much better place. Marseille with Torvan, with Payet are a good side as well. A lot more experience in, you know, Luis Gustavo and players like that. I think Leipzig probably are the favourites. Close game though, I feel. And finally, and I don't suppose we've got about a minute for this, perhaps a little less. I don't suppose Sporting and Lisbon are looking one looking forward one little bit to playing Atletico Madrid. No, I mean Atletico absolutely the most likely winners of this competition. Then it wasn't their target for the campaign, but they're out of the Copa del Rey. They can't win the La Liga. So what have they got left? They'll they'll give the Europa League everything. They're running on a very small squad. Um that would be the only concern for Atletico. Any more injuries and they really would be stuffed. And of course, they're winning 1-0 with about 74 minutes gone in the home game against Deportivo right now. And I see Fernando Torres um, getting ready to come on, presumably, uh, so they can uh, rest Diego Costa for a few minutes. Uh, for the, and is that exactly that tie uh, coming up uh, on uh, Thursday when they take on Sporting Lisbon? Thank you very much indeed for all of that, Mark. When we come back, we'll be bringing you a European cult hero, um, and, uh, as I say, Simon Calder's latest instalment of what you can expect in certain towns and stadiums when you go to Russia in the summer for the World Cup, where every game is live here on TalkSport. OK, everybody, lie down on the floor and keep calm. This is what is about. Oh, Mark is straight into his raving trousers for this one. Russ in Berry requested this. The KLF, of course. The Copyright Liberation Front. And last train to Trans Central. We're doing songs about travel and movement and going places. And your requests, please, at 8.10.89. And a Danny Kelly words on Twitter. Let this blast away behind me while I tell you we've also got feature coming up to call the Trans Europe Express Q&A. Call now with your questions about European football, past or present on 08717 Book your calls in now and at 9.45 we'll call you back. That's a free call. Or you can tweet your questions to Mark Langdon at TalkSport or text 81089. The text will cost you 50 pence. Acid! see my grey old head now and my husk of a man you see before you one day stop in the street and ask about my adventures with the KLF oh it's good now oh now this time the mix could work better than usual because of the banging tune here here we go Trans Europe Express cold footballer incredible incredible Zlatan Ibrahimovic Now today's uh, cult football here on Trans Europe Express, very unusual. It's a request from you, the listeners. Of course, we are nothing if uh, see- not seeking to please. Um, so uh, this is a, I think it's an incredible career, an incredible football we're going to talk about, who uh, played, his, played for all kinds of weird and wonderful clubs, but made his real super reputation, I guess, here 
in England. Mark, who are we going to talk about tonight? Yeah, the, the request was for Georgie Kinkladze, uh, one of Manchester City's favourite sons, despite the influx of you know, David Silva and Sergio Aguero He's and all these total, brilliant players. He's a total legend with, a, with, a, with a, that generation of Manchester City fans. Of course he is. Just one of the, the, the last players, probably, um, that was able to get away with the fact that he didn't want to do any defending, any pressing, um, any kind of uh, dirty work, if you like. He just wanted he was so to play football. That, that he was so technically gifted um, that I guess now... People would say, well, he wouldn't have run enough or run in the right places. But he was a beautiful, beautiful uh, player getting the ball under control. Oh, he, deciding what he wants to do with it. He could run with it. He could pass. He could beat a man. It was a fantastic little footballer. His heat map off the ball would, would be, uh, would be well, interesting. I think heat would not be the, word, no. the appropriate word. No, I mean, obviously, he played for um, a couple of clubs in, in Tbilisi. That the, the biggest of those, um, Dynamo Tbilisi, he was... Um, you know, somebody that came through Georgia or was seen as a big star locally. Now, we should make the point here, though. That these clubs are, are kind of lost to history now, but uh, Dinamo Tbilisi was, in its time, a real factory for turning out brilliant technical footballers. Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, they didn't play for Georgia because it was still part of the Soviet Union, and the Soviet Union's team would fail because the Georgians and the Russians wouldn't pass to each other uh, during it. But there was, I, I have seen, I'm going to say these words, I have seen at least two brilliant Dynamo Tbilisi teams in my lifetime. Um, because they were picking the, virtually the national team for Georgia, and he came out of that. Yeah, and um, had a little spell, Boca Juniors. Amazing. Um, but it, it, <laughs> it was at Manchester City where he made his real big splash. Just but, three years, but he made such an, an impression with people. An unbelievable impact. Uh, a, a number 10 uh, type player. I, I, I think what made him so special to the Man City fans, apart from being the only one really that they wanted to watch in in, in that bad spell was the fact that he stayed when they were relegated. And he says, and we'll have to take his word for this, he turned down some of Europe's biggest clubs, including Barcelona, to play in the English second division. I mean, I, th- I think we're right. So didn't, didn't he survive two successive relegations with Manchester City and just carried on? He, he did. Uh, after, the, after the second of those, though, he did leave. And I think this is where... He maybe falls into the uh, the cult hero rather than somebody that actually went on and really established himself mm-hmm. in in European football that he had the ability to do. It's a proper cult, this fellow. This, this is what we were always looking for. Yeah, he went to Ajax. Now, what an opportunity that was in in the late nineties to yep. really go and show an Ajax, a team that's traditionally built around playing this brilliant football and uh, and all this kind of stuff. An opportunity to, to to make it, and and Man City were um, a big club, but a real failing club yes. in England at the time. So he goes to Ajax, barely played, and he said the reason he was so unhappy and he sort of had a broken heart when he was in Amsterdam is that the manager didn't know where to play him, and he often stuck him out on the wing, which is where most people, most coaches, when they've got somebody where they don't know where to put mercurial, them, yeah. they're, they're the mercurial midfielder, they end up on the wing. It's just a it's just a default position for somebody that you can't fit into the team. When I was preparing for this, I thought, I thought there's actually a quote that said, I didn't really get on with life in Amsterdam. Man, if you're not happy in Amsterdam, you're not going to be happy anywhere, are you? Let's be honest. He, he wasn't happy in Amsterdam because um, like the team wasn't built around him like it was at Manchester City. So, And he came uh, back and had three really, three really good years at Derby County. 
he? He, he did, yeah. Um, he said he didn't play against Man City one time away from home because he didn't want to. <laughs> because he, 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 he just he was too upset uh, to, to play against City. He actually won a title with, with, with Anna Forsyth in, um, in Cyprus. But this is somebody, I think, that had the natural ability to have made it and played you know, real high-level Champions League football and he didn't, uh, and he'll um, it, make it into probably every Manchester City team of the decade, team of you know of all time, because the fans absolutely adore him, and rightly so, uh, because he, he brought joy, and, and that's absolutely. what football should do. But he he didn't have a position, he didn't do any defending, he just made people smile when they. And if you were him. to do a poll right now among Manchester City supporters. Pick your all-time eleven. They would be leaving out David Silva, a certain generation, to put in George Ginkley. They'd, they'd probably try and squeeze both of them in, wouldn't they? Actually, I mean that would be. Well, they got the... Frank Colin Bell as well. They got a lot of people to fit into they this have, team. They have, but Ginkley, just one of the greatest players to have ever played for Manchester City in the eyes of the supporters. Absolutely, anyway. and a proper European cult hero. Um, next here on Talksport, it's time for our latest update um, from uh, what you can expect when you go to the World Cup. In Russia, well, I'll keep, I never tire of saying it, every game live here on TalkSport. Simon Calder, Britain's leading travel writer and broadcaster, brings you another town and another stadium. Stadion. Stadium. Yekaterinburg Arena is the ground that's furthest from Moscow on the far side of the Ural Mountains from Europe. And it's possibly also the stadium that looks closest to the old Soviet Union. If you're one of those fans who went to support your team in the UEFA away games to places like Traktor, Minsk and Dynamo Tbilisi, you'll be familiar with the style. The stadium was built in 1953, the same year that Stalin died, and if it's a dull old match, FIFA recommends that you enjoy the... architectural and decorative features typical of Soviet neoclassicism. And that was used, it says, lavishly in the construction of the stands along with decorative art in the form of sculptures, vases and banners. A crowd of 35,000 will be in to appreciate the architecture, if not the football. Matches to see. Just the four matches in Yekaterinburg, starting with what I think might be quite a good one. 15th of June, Egypt, Uruguay in Group A. 21st of June, France, Peru. That's going to be good in Group C. 24th, Japan, Senegal. And then a decider, no doubt, in Group F on the 27th of June, Mexico versus Sweden. Rating Putishestri Toksporten. Talksport travel rating. Yekaterinburg is the only venue in Asia and you can spend a day and a bit on the Trans-Siberian Railway from Moscow reaching the city. It's just past the watershed of the Urals. If you look out the uh, train window at the right time, you'll see a sign basically saying, Welcome to Asia. There's a railway museum at the station, which will be of passing interest. But the reason most people come here as tourists is to see the Golden Domed Church on the Blood, built in the early 21st century on the site of the 1918 Romanov executions. Oh yes, a century ago, the ruling family were taken into a basement and shot. Oh dear. Today, apart from the church, which has been built over the uh, site of their unfortunate demise, um, you can go and see the Urals Mineralogical Museum or the Ural Geology Museum. 
If neither of those appeal for some reason, then take a trip out of town to Rasputin's birthplace or just get on with some nightlife. Now, I come from Crawley, but some of the very dodgiest pubs and clubs I've ever been to are in Yekaterinburg. Really, take care out there. The Rosie Jane and Dr Scotch are slightly better than most. But in terms of places to stay, I like the Meeting Point Hostel. It's like so many other hostels, just a Russian apartment with a few bunk beds. It's fun and friendly, but it sleeps only six. So what the remaining 34,994 people will do, who knows? Anyway, TalkSport travel rating out of five for Yekaterinburg. I'll give it two. Thank you for all these wonderful tunes you've been choosing tonight in our musical homework. Uh, Iggy Pop, of course, and The Passenger, as we continue, and I will explain it in the next section, to celebrate travel and movement and going places. Um, we've got enough music for now, so what we need now is uh, for you to call us now. If you've got a question for Mark Langdon, absolutely anything about European or world football, now is the time. 0871722344. We've got plenty of tweets and emails. It will be a great section anyway. But if you want to get your voice on air, 0871722344. Any questions to do with anything past, present or future about European football, you will have access to the greatest brain on the planet. Even if he's got a sniffle. Mark, before we do the Q&A, um, where you're going to establish yourself as the greatest football expert on the planet, we've got about seven or eight, nine leagues to get through still in Europe. Let's uh, rev up the motor straight away and start by going to the closest uh, league title race still happening in Europe, and that's in Turkey. Yes, um, all of the big teams won uh, this weekend. Besiktas 1-0, uh, Basakashir 2-1, Galatasaray 2-1, Fenerbahce are not in action until tomorrow. So it's as you were, Galatasaray 57 Basakashir 56. Bajiktas wouldn't rule them out completely just yet. 53. Anderson Taliska been linked with a lot of Premier League teams. Scored an absolute beauty. Speaking of the Premier League, Bappi Femi Gomez also scored again. He seems to score every single week. Um, let's go over to Portugal, where um, in, the, in, the lang- in the language of uh, what you do for a living uh, with a racing post, Two horse race. Yeah, Sporting are uh, out of the race now. I mean, they were on the, uh, only on the fringes anyway. 1-0 defeat at Braga. Belenenses v Porto is tomorrow. Benfica temporarily gone top. 2-0 victory over Gimaresh. Hodas got both of the goals. Which reminded me, have you finished your World Cup book? I, I, oh. Of course, Danny. He was never in doubt. I can't let believe you were... Let beacons be, be lit in the high places, the land. Let bunting be unfurled and the bells ring out. 
You've I, actually finished the thing. I, I have, yeah, but I, when it when it's actually uh, when it's actually on sale, there'll be more plugs than B and Q for it, no doubt, Danny. But uh, yeah, late April, um, it'll be hitting the shops and the the uh, the, the, the the shelves of uh, online. Um, selling well shops. i've been told by, by a friend who works for wh smith that they're planning other bookshops are available to issue body armor to their staff at the because of the speed at which it will be leaving the shelves uh, it's not the it's not the best twenty thousand words i've ever written but i think it could be the most informative so hopefully What's it gonna be called it, it, it's the racing post uh, betting guide to the world cup but okay. it's not actually all about betting that there's plenty of stuff in it if you're not in, into your betting that's quite a small part of it and I like the way that the off air we all will discuss it further. The Belgium FA asked you to rewrite rewrite part of it. Well, <laughs> not not the Belgium a, a, a sponsor in Belgium because it's going Flemish. It's it's going in of course French. It's going Flemish. Well, it's, it's um, will it go Walloon? Uh, no, no. <laughs> and that, that actually, the, the Walloon derby was actually this weekend. Well, let's talk about that uh, in a, in a little while because uh, well, let's talk about Holland next if we, if I may. Um, PSV still um, very much uh, in charge over there. And Ajax, well, keeping up the chase. They're going to get a Champions League place, but they're, they're unlikely to catch them, aren't they? They're, they're, they're lucky to be seven, only seven points behind. PSV won 5-1. Um, Ajax were trading to Groningen. Uh, a missed penalty turned the game. Uh, Cliver equalised. Justin Cliver, the, the, the young winger for, for Ajax, uh, equalised. Huntelaar, uh, the other end of the uh, age scale, scored a very, very late winner. It's still seven points. It could quite easily have been more. Speaking of points, Atletico Madrid have won that game against Deportivo. Uh, goal to nil, that 33rd minute penalty for Kevin Gamero. It was soft, but it was a shirt pull. And the referee saw it, so Atletico Madrid won Deportivo nil. Meanwhile, it's still 2-0 uh, to Lyon with about uh, 13 minutes to go there in their game against Toulouse. An important game for Lyon. Both those goals so far by Memphis Depay. Um, now, we want we got a lot to talk about here. We must talk about Russia. Yes, well, okay. Where, where do you want to start here? Do you want to start with the uh, Spartak Moscow um, story? I mean, this is a sad one. Um, of course, the the yeah, tragedy um, in, in Russia um, of, of last week with so many uh, people dying in the um, in, in the shopping complex following that fire. Spartak's fans, uh, as a way of marking it out of respect refused to make a noise in, in the first half. So we often hear of, you know, one-minute silences. This was a 45-minute silence uh, during the game. Spartak won um, but by two goals to one and actually puts them right in the hunt um, for, for the title race because they're only two points behind Lokomotiv Moscow, who lost 2-1 to Amkapurm in a game that was technically an away fixture, but it was played at Lokomotiv Stadium. And uh, this is something that you don't hear about too often. The accusation is that Anka effectively sold the fixture. Now, we need to... We'll talk about Greece in a minute. Yeah. Anka, um, their pitch is in a terrible state. Not allowed to play home matches uh, in in Perm. Their nearest stadium, or the the one that they put down to the Russian uh, Federation to play their um, games in such a scenario is, I I think the pronunciation is UEFA, UEFA, UEFA. UEFA Thin Mint, yeah. So they were playing Zenit today, and so Amka said yesterday, well, we can't play there, um, obviously. So what we'll do is we'll play uh, 1,400 kilometres away um, at Locomotive Stadium because... Uh, well, why not? Uh, uh, obviously, the 
what the, the talk in Russia is that basically locomotive incentivized that in a financial way. You can have all the gate receipts, you know, various other little wow. bits and bobs. Let's play the game in our state. Now, Amco are in financial uh, problems. They only struggle to just get past the winter break. So they said, yes, what a great idea. Locomotive think, well, we're playing at home. We'll turn them over. They didn't. They lost the game 2-1. Travel is becoming an issue in the, in the Russian leagues um, for various reasons. I'm indebted to Michael Jokin at Jokin on Twitter, who tweeted me today uh, about a game that happened yesterday. Mark, it's the longest um, journey any team can make for a league match in world football. Um, Baltica, it's the second division in Russia. Baltica, Kaliningrad. And Kaliningrad, of course, is that enclave of Russia that actually should be Germany, um, but European politics is complex. They played against Luk Vladivostok in the second division in Russia. It's a 12-hour flight each way. It's a total of 10,000 kilometres, the round trip. Um, and, of course, the game ended nil-nil. Um, the point I'm making there is that there's a lot of talk. The, the players of Vladivostok are saying um, it's all right for, for, for Kaliningrad. They have to do this once a year. Every one of our away games is a 10, 11 or 12-hour flight. And there's a lot of talk about dividing the Russian league, particularly the second division, to regionalise. It used to be regionalised. Um, and look, you, well, you used to be in the in the eastern part of it, but they're literally on the Sea of Japan playing against a team who are on the Baltic. <laughs> An extraordinary set of fixtures. Yeah, and no, of course, that's why the, the music homework Absolutely. Uh, that, that it was, was all to do with travel. I'm sure that there'll be lots of fans of Legion United say, oh, we, we'd do that. We'd, we'd love it away, Dave. Um, you know, 12 hours. Quick, quick snow update from Russia. Well, um, Mancini didn't enjoy his, his day. Zenit won, um, but but they won in an absolute snowstorm, two uh, one. Um, Mancini, if you go onto Twitter, onto Roberto Mancini's uh, personal site, you'll see uh, he, he's posted a picture of himself in the snow. We're in April now. Football's back in Greece. Uh, it is, yeah. Um, Savidis, uh, uh, Paul Savidis, the Payok owner. Um, of course, an astonishing story. Gun owner. Uh, the, the gun owner coming onto the pitch with a gun. He's been banned for three years. Payok have been given a three-point deduction, um, which really damages their title hopes. They did win at the weekend 2-0. AEK have uh, beaten Panathinaikos, so uh, it's, it, it really is AEK's to, to lose. Um, Olympiacos dropped points as well but we are back um, in Greece uh, in, uh, coincidentally uh, Payok and Savidis are both appealing um, against those uh, penalties they're doing their thing their special thing in Belgium um, and it's not it's not their fault but Club Bruges have really blown their lead haven't they <laughs> <laughs> they're 12 points advantage at the end of the regular season <laughs> down to 6 so, so uh, yeah I don't, I don't know what the, the Belgian term for Spursy is but uh, Club <laughs> Bruges are, are certainly doing that they don't actually play uh, until tomorrow against Genk uh, Genk the big winners this weekend that they, they, they won at Anderlecht and we was talking about the derby earlier on that was won by Standard Liège 1-0 against Charleroi uh, thank you very much indeed for that. Now, for uh, Sweden, um, a couple of things. Uh, the season started today. Incidentally, the, the stadium that Simon Calder described in his uh, update about Katerinaburg was opened today. So Russia getting ready for that World Cup in a few weeks' time. Um, Sweden st- started their season today. Um, and it's and not a retirement home, but it's becoming increasingly a place for, where, for English coaches to make an impact. Yeah, and this is all to do with the fact that uh, the... the uh, when you drop out of football, effectively, uh, that there's been a league football education that's been set up, and they're sending players um, to Sweden. So, you know, if you don't make it at AFC Wimbledon or York or somewhere like that, 
you know, you don't just drop into to Saturday football, if you like, and the non-leagues, they are offering another pathway. Of course, Ustersons became famous for, for, for their performances against Arsenal under Graham Potter. They've got a couple of British players uh, as well. Uh, but it, it seems like it's just going throughout Sweden. And I suppose there's a couple of reasons for it. One will be the old connection, um, Bob Houghton and also Roy Hodgson, uh, Roy Hodgson yeah. uh, of course. And uh, you was mentioned this, that their football kind of lends itself to English-type players, or British-type players, sorry. It mirrors, uh, and with all due respect to Sweden, of course, they're in the in the World Cup and put out Italy. Let's not forget that. It mirrors English football, I think, sort of 20 years ago, in that they big, strong players playing very stern, often 4-4-2. Um, and, and, you know, well done to everybody. I mean, any English player or coach goes abroad always has my admiration. And well done to Swedes. If they can see a way to improve their local football, it's fantastic. Um, we, we, we're replacing Bentner Watch now because we're, we're tired of him with Zlatan Watch. Well, of course, this links into Sweden. Could he possibly play at the World Cup? They should ask him, judging by what he did uh, in the last few days. Well, I, I, I mean, I think that would upset the balance of the team if you just recalled him. But what a goal he scored. I mean, he scored two goals on his debut for LA Galaxy in, in the derby against new franchise Los Angeles. Um, his first one, um, if you haven't seen it, go online. 35 yards, uh, maybe even a little bit more. Ball bounced up. And Ibrahimovic is one of the few players capable of scoring this type of goal because the ball bounced up waist high. And, and he does his kung fu thing, doesn't he? Kung fu kick over the goalkeeper. And he wasn't even satisfied with that. He still managed to then score the winning goal. Um, and an assist from Ashley Cole as well. Okay, well, thank you very much indeed. That's all the other leagues. Next up, it's Q&A with Mike Vanden. This has been Zlatan Watch. Trust me, if I want to kick somebody's head, I know how to kick somebody in the head. And I said, listen, I've traveled every road in this here land. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. Travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Continuing to celebrate Baltica Kaliningrad's 24-hour round trip to play uh, Look Vladivostok in the second level Russian football. Johnny Cash calls, and I've been everywhere, man. I'm a killer. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. Well, I've had my With the it has been my favourite ever group of tunes. Thank you for choosing them. Thank you for listening to us on a bank holiday. We love you for that. Okay, it's time for the Transurance Express Q&A, um, where Mark Langdon will answer all of your questions. I understand why you're not phoning in for this one at the moment, because, of course, you're probably uh, drunk as a skunk on the bank holiday. But plenty of people have uh, tweeted in some very interesting questions. We'll try and get through as many as we can in the next six minutes. Uh, of Trans Europe Express. Mark, first of all, uh, Woz, uh, Woz Hay has tweeted him, uh, what's Mark's views on Kaiserslautern's fall from grace? Of course, big, big club and bottom now of Bundesliga 2. Yes, um, I think they were always punching well above their weight when they actually won the Bundesliga as a newly promoted um, side. They're actually, you're right to say they're a big club. It's actually from quite a small town. Um, so maybe we shouldn't really have expected them to continue with those heights of you know fighting for titles and, and you know European football and, and stuff like that but the big problem for them is a financial crisis and that has seen them sink and and you know could sink even further we've seen 1860 Munich go go down to, to, to that level so it, it can can happen 
Kaiserslautern were one of the, the grounds that got given um, 2006 World Cup matches. Fantastic. You think what a, um, you know, a, a wonderful kind of position to host the, the, these these games. They increased the attendance to host these World Cup Capacity, games. Capacity, yeah. And it was fine. They could pay the rent on it as long as they remained a Bundesliga club. They didn't remain a Bundesliga club, and so that became a big problem for them in terms of uh, finances. They've now got into a situation where they've sold off their youth academy, uh, which you understand why they've done it for short-term gains, but it's a big part of how you can actually come back if you can get that right. It's very expensive to do. So that is why Kaiserslautern are where they are. Um, Poor mismanagement on and off the pitch. Thank you very much. We'll remain in Germany. Mike has tweeted in, are there rumours, the rumours of David Wagner going back to Dortmund? Do they carry any weight with you? Uh, I I haven't actually seen those rumours. I started them. Okay, well, um, I I think as far as Wagner goes, his reputation definitely picked up when he took Huddersfield into the Premier League. And there was talk of Bayer Leverkusen at the time and that they went down a different route. There hasn't been that many suggestions in Germany of him going to Dortmund. Maybe there's more in England because he's apparently negotiating a new contract I mean, I don't, with Huddersfield. I, quite, I mean, I Huddersfield might still get relegated, but I don't think in this country anyone underestimates how brilliantly he's done with them. Jurgen Klopp got relegated with Mainz, and it would matter even less in Germany if he got relegated. Um, they, they would fully respect the job he's done at Huddersfield. Hello, Peter Stoger, etc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not sure Dortmund know where they're going yet in no. terms of their new coach. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't sort of hold out too much. I'd say hope. But I'm assuming maybe he's a Huddersfield fan, so he's hoping he doesn't go to um, to Dortmund. I've not seen in Germany um, this kind of strong link. Mark Kelly has tweeted in. How long can Ajax keep toying with their fans' emotions? I think he's referring to the fact that the club is no longer the dominant force in Holland and says, never mind hanging on to their best players. What's happened to Dolberg? Uh, Dolberg's been injured. I mean, what a fall from grace for Dolberg. This time last year, he was being spoken about as one of the best, if not the biggest young talent in European football. Rumours of him going to Roma, just about every... Roma rumours? Well, yeah, I mean, and of course, under Monchi, the absolute uh, stargazer, he knows all the best talent. Dolberg was absolutely useless in the Europa League final. Ajax were. To be fair, yeah. But his runs, uh, a lot of people were watching him closely. He was hiding from the ball, it Mm. felt like at times. At that point, there there was a big kind of question mark against him there. Didn't get the, the move to Roma. Then he got injured and he's really struggled when he has played this season. Um, it just goes to show that you know maybe you have to move when, when the opportunity is there because he could have been a Roma player now. I'm not sure if he leaves Ajax any time soon at the moment. Um, ben, the Spurs fan, has texted in finally. How good is Jonathan Tarr? Could he be a potential replacement for Toby Alderweireld? Yes, he could. I'm not sure I'd want him next to um, Sanchez uh, at this stage because they are quite similar and they rely on their pace to get them out of trouble. Positioning, not 100% perfect, but but Tari is somebody I think everybody in Germany expects to eventually... Big, big boy as well. He is. uh, He's very powerful and, you know, he's just expected to become uh, a German national team regular and he would would fit the profile of the kind of player that Tottenham are looking to buy really Mark thank you very much indeed and every week between now and the end of the season we'll be having our Q&A session um, with whoever my uh, wingman is on the programme and you'll get used to it and you'll begin uh, getting to phone in as well 
and all the rest of that. Mark, I have to say, thank you very, very much for the last three hours because uh, you say you're getting better, but uh, to me, you look like a man who's... Uh, who's a bit sickly, and you've done really well. So thank you very much. Thank you. I should, I should apologise to the listeners if I, if it's been a horrible listen with me sort of snuffling through. No, no, it won't, it won't be that because of what you say is uh, that people are so uh, keen to hear what you've had had to say. And um, what does the week hold for you? What's, which of these European games are you uh, fixating on? I, I, I mean, it's actually the English game. I think Liverpool, Man City. Usually, I would usually I would look to to swerve that, but Liverpool, Man City will be brilliant. Also, looking forward to uh, Real Madrid's trip to Juventus. Okay, and uh, you, now you've finished your book. You're probably, that's why you've got ill because you had because you've had a chance to be ill. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I have actually. The last couple of days have been horrendous. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much, Dee, for that. Now we've been running our poll as well. Um, having seen that um, rack of matches uh, in the international arena, who is now your favourite to win the upcoming World Cup? Just nineteen percent go for Brazil, so that's a massive sea change. Uh, 24% uh, go for England, which uh, if you think that's 5% more than go for Brazil, that's why you never see a bookmaker on a bicycle. Uh, Spain, after their fantastic victory over Argentina, 26% of you, but a very close poll, nearly 9,000 votes. Thank you for those. Germany, always Germany, isn't it? Um, have got 31% of the vote. Thank you all for listening. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's Trans-Europe Express on TalkSport. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.